This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in the Amen. The sermon for this 24th Sunday after Trinity is according to St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18 to uh, verse, chapter 9, verses 18 to 26, and peculiar indeed. That was an interesting hymn, the music for that. Um, so, now, in the lines of pastoral nerdiness, I'll point something. I won't make too much hay out of it, but it was something kind of interesting in the reading. I don't know if you caught it, but there's something very special and unique that happens in our gospel text for today. Uh, something different. Jesus follows. <laughs> this happens nowhere else in all of Scripture. Jesus is always being followed. You notice that? And, um, and, but Jesus doesn't follow anyone except here. This cues us in on the fact that something is big. Something is very different. Something is very special and it's happening. Because he hears, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her so that she will have life. This ruler, this bereaved dad, let's be honest, firmly believes Jesus can and will raise his daughter from the dead. More than that, this dad isn't just looking at the here and now as if Jesus needs to come and restore the little girl's pulse and respiration. This dad specifically uses the Greek word sozo which is used throughout Scripture to speak of being made well with the gift of life, and more interestingly, eternal life. He's not just saying, make her live. He's saying, save her, rescue her. Not just from death, but from this life. Come and lay your hand on her so that she will sozo live. He knows that Jesus is the font and source of all life both present and eternal. His faith in Jesus isn't just a Sunday morning kind of thing. It is the real deal. His faith is being witnessed and fleshed out as he cleaves to Jesus in the midst of one of the worst sorrows any parent could ever know. The death of their own child. This isn't a wavering faith. This isn't a questioning faith. This is a faith that is looking to one. This is a faith that is looking to strike a deal with Jesus when times get tough. Not. It is actually, nor is this a faith that feels like Jesus owes him one. How dare you do this to me after all I've done for you? That wasn't what was happening here. This is a faith that is reaching out to Jesus and firmly taking hold, asking not just for physical restoration, but for the resurrection unto eternal life. Do everything that you do, please. I want you to think about this for a moment. The text simply states that in response to this request, Jesus arose and followed. 
As I said, this in itself is profound. And yet, the way the whole context reads, Jesus was almost, in a sense, not following this guy as much as he was being dragged by the arm. So tight was this man's grasp of faith on him. Come with me, Jesus. Come with me. Do what you do. And so he does. Of course, the same can be said of the woman who had been bleeding for over 12 years. She too had a very strong and a commendable faith. St. Luke, a doctor, tells us in his parallel account that the woman had spent all she had on various treatments over the years. And none of them worked. She was flat broke, destitute. Twelve years of ritual uncleanness had also made her essentially dead in her own community. Her blood impurity would prevent anyone from having any contact with her. That's really important to know that. They, they, were, they were treated as, as though she were a leper. Flat, broke, destitute, and helpless, and yet she dares to break all the rules and pushes her way through the crowd. Also, she can simply reach out and take the fringe of Jesus' garment. If I touch only the fringe of his garment, I will be sozoed. Same word. There it is. Let us know that she wasn't merely looking for Jesus' physical healing or restoration. If that were the case, she, like the grieving dad, would have used the word therapueo, which is fun to say. But it's not what they were asking for. I don't just want a medical treatment. This needs to be handled completely. Besides, that's not really exactly commendable faith. Everyone seems to get religious when suffering on, is on the agenda. It's amazing how people can turn to God in prayer when they are hurting or when they want God to do things. Have you ever noticed that? Hospitals, nursing homes, hospices, units are filled with people crying out for Jesus for therapeutic, for physical healing. But that's not what this poor woman was looking for here. She uses the very specific word for made well with the gift of life, made well with eternal life. It's clear that she is seeking more than just physical healing, because you'll remember that this person would not be allowed in the temple, would not be allowed to hear God's word, would not be allowed to receive the gifts from the Levites, would not be allowed to be around the good things of God. She was deep in despair and illness. On top of that, all of the spiritual crisis she's having, and on top of that, she's really sick. Now, we see she's not looking for anything other than everything Jesus does. It's clear that she's seeking more than this healing. She's coming to Jesus to take hold even of the fringe of his garment. 
confident in the fact that Jesus has this true gift of life, this more than the healing, but also the being made well in the eyes of God. To be made well in Jesus is to be made well unto eternal life. Whether she lived or died, she knew Christ would make her truly well, reversing her condition from being sort of the walking dead, the, the, the unclean, to being a beloved. Don't you love it that he calls her a daughter? Don't you love that? He's not just going, Fare thee well, strange woman, who I do not know. He's saying, daughter, in other words, he's saying, you're mine. You don't call somebody your daughter that you don't have a connection to. You don't randomly go, hey, daughter, what's up? You say, this is somebody I love. They're mine. And so he calls her a daughter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm reading too much into that. Calls her beloved daughter who would be welcomed into her father's house, welcomed at the heavenly feast table. Like the grieving dad, this woman had truly profound and commendable faith. Now, it's at this point we need to be careful. I want to make sure. Draw it in. I say this because the natural tendency is to put a focus on these people and simply their faith. We need to be more like them. We need to be faithing a lot more. Just so you know, faithing isn't a word. I made that up. That's not the point. Your comfort, your assurance, your rock-solid confidence and peace is not going to be found in your faith. Your faith doesn't save you. Remember, everyone has faith in something. We need to be more specific. Everyone puts their trust in and holds the fast to something, be it Western medicine or miracle cures or 401ks or diplomas on a wall or elected politicians in government. We just went through that and we saw Facebook was all over with people's faith. Never Jesus. So that promise to give you everything your selfish heart desires. <laughs> Folks, all that stuff fails. Even the healthiest people die. Your advanced degrees and attaboy commendations won't earn you one extra hour of life. Your retirement account isn't going to do you a bit of good when you are six feet under. Being the richest person in the cemetery does you no good. <laughs> Death has a, I, one of my pastors said that to me once, so got to give him credit for it. I didn't make that up. Death has a blunt way of leveling the playing field. And for all of those politicians and their programs, they're not the messiahs they want you to believe and you want to believe. None of these things can or will save you. They might make you feel good, but none of these things will or can sozo you. They cannot and will not make you well unto life, eternal life. This is why the focus must be on the object of true faith, saving faith. Jesus the Christ. That is where the faith is. That is where saved by grace through faith makes sense to us. Not, well, it doesn't matter. And I've actually heard this. Maybe you've heard it too. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe strongly said no Christian ever. 
So, and I've heard it though. It's not about Christianity. It's about believing firmly in something. Well, don't do that. I don't recommend that because at the end of life, at the end of days, we'll find out that's terrible. It's not about what you need to do. It's about the faith you have. You can't create faith any more than you can add an hour to your life. I know it sounds strange, but it's not about your faith. It's about who your faith clings to. It's about Jesus Christ for you. That is not a generic faith. It is a very specific faith. It is a specific love of God that the Holy Spirit gives you. So it's not just faithing in general. It is the faith given unto you at your baptism by the Holy Spirit, the proclamation of the gospel. He is the one and only who can and will save you. You can and will, who can and will sozo you and make you well unto life everlasting. In fact, this language of can and will, it, well, it's not entirely correct. It's best. Jesus has actually saved you. Okay, I don't want to put your salvation. <laughs> I just thought of that. I don't want to put your salvation in the question. The work Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, has done for you in your baptism, as gives you in the Lord's Supper, is indeed yours. You can't, you can't put that into question, especially this close to Reformation Sunday that we just had. We need to make sure we're clear on that. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus has lived up to his God-given name and saved his people from their sin. You are saved by virtue of your baptism. It's all atoning death and resurrection. It's all been made yours. And this is profound. This is special. This should mean something to you. No matter how bad or how dark things may get on this side of eternity, we have already been made well in Christ. No matter how sick you get especially as we enter into the cold and flu season. No matter how broke you may become, no matter how much we may suffer, no matter how many student loan debts we all have. Sorry I got personal there. No matter how much we may suffer, no matter how heavy our crosses get, we have already been made well in Christ. Look at this rail. Look at this font. That's what I love about Christian theology. It's amazing. We look at this rail and we go, what's it made out of? Does anybody actually remember what kind of wood this is made out of? I don't know. It's wood. It's metal. I don't think it's made out of platinum. Gold. And we look at this here. Somebody with a real eye for measurement, I will say. Because those... Those boards are perfectly spaced. But you look at this and it's wood and it's got some kind of plastery stuff. It's got a big popcorn bowl top. And none of that is things that you go, wow! It's very simple things, right? It's really simple. Even when you look at communion, if you ever come with my first communion kids and we make bread, Welcome to the blandest thing in the world, world, world. It's flour and water with a little bit of olive oil. And then wine, which I think we should maybe start making. Anyway, side note. But um, it's not a complex recipe. I looked it up online. Wine is not complicated. 
to make it taste good, maybe. But, <laughs> but to achieve wine. And we look at all this stuff and say, that isn't complicated. This railing is beautiful, but it's not complicated. This baptismal font is beautiful, but not complicated. H2O, which resides in there. It's not complicated. And yet Jesus goes, salvation, salvation. I don't know, man. But tell you what, that dad was on to something. That woman's suffering was on to something. Saying this faith I have isn't in the universe will provide, but that this guy, Jesus, is the answer. <sighs> when we think about it, here is where and how Christ Jesus himself, the Word made flesh, reaches out into your life and gives you his free and undeserved gift of life. This is where and how your God and Lord makes you truly well into eternal life. Look at who is doing the saving action here. It's not me. It's not my elder who reads wonderfully. But the words that we read in the scriptures are important. It's amazing how God works. He's doing all this action here just as your Lord willingly went into the presence of death in order to take death by the hand and lead it away from you. His gift of life unto that body of death, so too does he do this as he takes you into his arms and calls you his son or his daughter. Wow. Interesting how when Jesus follows, he leads he can't even lead, follow without leading. All right, let's go. Changing lives the whole way. <laughs> but I'll end how I started. Your Lord will always be with you. He says so in Matthew 28, verse 19, 18. Even to the end of the age, wherever you go in this world, wherever you find yourself, there is the Lord. Yes, there will be times that he is following you and not leading you. Sin will lead you away from Him. Your Lord, however, is quick to forgive. Any of you ever stray away? I don't have to have any true confessions right now. But the truth of the matter is, is He's the one who's always there. He's the one who's faithful and just. He, when you see Him and you find Him at the end of the rope, at your rope, and you go, there He was. And He goes, just so you know, I was at the top of the rope. I was at the middle of the rope, and you just noticed me at the end of the rope because <laughs> you were looking at other stuff at the rope. He is merciful. He's the one who turns us around. He's right there. Turn around and take hold of him as he mercifully scoops you up into his arm, takes you back into his life, setting your feet firmly on his way. You have his word. He will never leave you or forsake you. He was forsaken so that you will never have to be forsaken. He is with you and he is always with you. He's that reason we say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds in the one true faith.
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.